Mitchell, and welcome to the uh, Recovery Daily Podcast. And today I want to talk about freedom from dependence. So I mentioned yesterday that I had doctor's appointments today um, because my stroke symptoms have come back in full force. So um, I started out with my, just a little recap of what happened. I went to my family doctor, explained what happened, explained, explained that um, my stubbornness, I think, was the cause of of my regression into all of these symptoms and how terrible it is right now. And, um, and I really kind of felt like I was admitting defeat. That's what I felt like. And um, so my boyfriend was with me and that was really, really important to be able to have somebody. I called him Team Rachel while we were there and to have somebody um, help me communicate and and not only that, but also help listen to what um, what she was saying our plan was because you kind of get into a fog a little bit when you're in there um, and you're, you know, suffering from really bad symptoms while I was in there. I couldn't even look at her. I had to look down at the floor because my head was hurting so bad. Um, it was really, really a painful day. I was having sharp pains on the right side of my head. Um, and I've had that a couple times, but today was, it was all day long. So, um, not sure what that was, but anyway, so we have a plan and I'm going to be going to vision therapy for, uh, at least six months and, um, I'm going to go see the neurologist again. Uh, the neurologist I had back when I first had the stroke, um, was just kind of tracking my symptoms. And then once I got off of Eliquis, the blood thinner, he, I was expressing to him that I was still having the headaches. And so he ended up prescribing migraine medicine to me. I think I talked about this in a previous episode. So I ended up stopping going because it wasn't working and he was upping the prescription. And that was the wrong decision for me to make. Um, I've made a lot of wrong decisions here and in this whole journey, but, um, you know, I can wake up one day and change my decisions. That's what we get to do in life. So, so that's what I've done. Um, so I also went to the vision therapist today and that was my first time at this new vision therapist and she was really understanding. It was great. Um, she, that's what I've been really liking about the vision therapist is that they, when I talk about my symptoms, they're like, yes, 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 I understand, I understand. And and I haven't had that a lot. Um, the neurologist really didn't understand. He, he said that um, headaches are very unusual for somebody who's had a stroke, which I thought was weird because that's where it happens in your head. But I guess it's not usual. There's... Uh, I don't know, a lot of other pains and and um, lack of mobility and stuff like that that usually happens. So, um, so having this vision therapist really understand where I'm coming from, they deal a lot more so with people who have concussions, but it's all traumatic brain injury. So they are 
treating me similar to how they treat concussion, people who, who have concussions. So um, I'm hopeful and, you know, that's, I'll take it. <laughs> that's what I needed. I needed to um, turn my frustration and my, um, you know, throwing my hands up into, into hope. So that's what I've done. And I'm looking forward to going back to the vision therapist next Thursday and we'll do another session and I'll keep you updated on how that goes. Um, so the topic of freedom from dependence is, um, I think you could probably maybe guess some of the angles on this. Um, but it starts with, uh, making the decision. Um, we have the ability to make choices and when I was drinking, I did not think I had a choice to drink. I thought I had to, um, which might sound very strange to somebody who is not an alcoholic, but I didn't think I had the choice to not drink. I had to do it. If I didn't do it, I didn't feel well. And, um, and so there's that kind of choice that we have. And what I didn't realize when I, when I was introduced to, uh, to the program, um, is that I had to make another choice and just like we, we make a choice, we make choices all day, every day. Um, I had to make a choice to be willing to believe in something bigger than myself because my decisions alone were what got me in that mess of, um, well, you know, drinking and then all of the bad decisions that came with drinking. And, um, sorry, I'm having a hard time thinking today again. I've had a very painful head day. Um, so we have the, I had the choice to, uh, to be willing to get help and, And that's all I needed. You know, I had to admit that my life was unmanageable. I couldn't, I couldn't live that way anymore. And so the willingness for me came out of desperation. And I can't help but, but find the similarities in the situation that I'm in right now with my stroke. And that's really why I feel like this podcast was important for me to do because they seem to be aligning so much. The, the decision to be willing to get help, to get help from, from everybody at this point, from everybody, not only doctors, but getting help from my family and, um, and all of it unfortunately has gotten to the point that I'm, I made the decision out of desperation again. Um, the same thing they talk about 
with hitting rock bottom when you're an alcoholic. And, um, and that's what I've done again. I've hit rock bottom to the point where, like I said, I couldn't even look up at the doctor today because my head was, I was getting sharp pains in my head um, because she was standing in front of a window. So it was like backlit and I could see the parking lot and the cars behind it. And, um, you know, I've, I've clearly hit rock bottom and, and so I've become willing to, to accept help and, When, so, so when I was drinking, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. When I was drinking, um, I had a dependence on alcohol and I, I didn't, like I said, I felt like I didn't have the choice to drink. I had to. And so that was that dependence. And um, I was not free. I, I didn't, I was not free to make my own decisions. That's what I felt like. I felt like I was a victim, not only of um, alcohol, but just life, everybody around me. I felt like everything happened to me and I didn't have control of anything. You know, I watched people around me with these happy lives and happy marriages and happy, happy, happy. And, um, and I just was feeling like, why is everything happening to me? And, um, and honestly, nothing was happening to me. I was drinking and I felt like I felt alone and, um, and I felt alone because I was isolating myself. It was really just like everything was feeding upon itself. And so there's, so there's that dependence that kind of, that felt like it took my freedom away. And when I became willing to accept help, um, in both sobriety, uh, the beginning of sobriety and, you know, four days ago to, for, to accept help from my family and my doctors and my friends, um, there was a freedom that came from being willing to be able to depend on other people. So there's a, it seems to me an unhealthy dependence, um, uh, either on alcohol, um, or, a, a dependence in my situation now on myself, uh, thinking that I can do everything myself. I don't have to depend on anybody. And, um, and, and that again, just made me feel like, uh, like I wasn't free to make choices. And so admitting or becoming willing to accept help and, and be open to to becoming dependent on other people is, uh, is there's freedom that comes with that. Now in the program, there's, um, woven in is, is your, uh, concept of your higher power. And some people call that God. Some people call it 
the program. Some people call it the fellow, you know, the fellowship, the program. And um, so everybody gets to pick what their own higher power is. And I have a higher power too. And it's taken me, I'm seven years sober. It's taken me seven years to, to build my own conception of what my higher power is. And my higher power um, basically consists of everything and everybody outside of myself. That's my higher power. So um, it is what comes to mind. It's my children, obviously. It's my family. It's my boyfriend. And it's very much so people in my life who have passed. And there are a lot of folks that have passed that I know loved me very deeply and believed in me. My grandparents are, are uh, two people. Um, my father-in-law, who I was divorced when he passed, but, um, but he used to call me his daughter. And so, and he believed in me. He actually took me to uh, one of my first AA meetings and held my hand, um, along with my brother-in-law who was also an alcoholic. And unfortunately he passed as well. He committed suicide, um, several years ago. And, um, so all of these people who believed in me over my lifetime are my higher power. And yes, I have uh, my own conception of God and it's not anything like anybody else's truly. Um, I can't go to church and feel closer to my God. Um, I, the way that I feel close to my God is when I'm alone and by myself and when I don't talk about it to anybody else, because I don't need anybody to judge me about whether or not I believe in God or, or what my God is like or anything like that. It's nobody's damn business and it keeps me sober. So this is what my higher power is, um, in summary. And when people pass now, they, become included in my higher power. So I recently, it still feels recently, but it's been a year and a half, a very um, important person in my life passed away. And um, I knew him since I was in fifth grade. And I remember when he um, came to the door of the classroom and they introduced him. And I thought, well, he was good looking at the time in fifth grade he was very cute and so I remember that moment very very well but he has uh passed he passed um a year and a half ago and he died of my disease he died of alcoholism he drank himself to death I had no idea you could do that I didn't that might sound silly, but I had no idea you could drink yourself to death. And since I've been in the program, I've lost a lot of people um, drinking themselves to death or dying from very unfortunate things that happened to them when they were drinking. And um, so, 
So a lot of this, they, they join my higher power because what, what else do I do with it? What else do I do with that, with that sadness? You know, this guy that just passed a year and a half ago, um, I, um, I just, I was devastated. I was devastated because I knew him my whole life. I knew him so well. We were very, very close. And, you know, we were in and out of each other's lives over, over the 47, 46 years that I knew him. Um, but I cared very deeply about him. And so, um, I was devastated. And so it took me a long time. It took me a year to realize and to be able to put him in my higher power uh, cloud <laughs> or whatever you want to call it bucket. Um, it took me a while to, to be able to let go of the pain and put it in a place that is going to add value in my life to put my love for him in a place that's going to enrich my heart and my life instead of making it hurt. And, um, and that takes a lot of effort for me, a lot of effort. Um, but by being able to go through this process, I have a freedom that happens when I depend on that higher power, uh, cloud of things or bucket of things. I should probably come up with a, with a clever name of what that is, but we're just going to call it a higher power, I guess. But there's a freedom that comes with that. Just like I said, it took a while for me to, for me to be able to take him and my love and my sadness and everything and put it, lump it into that higher power. But once I did, it was like I could breathe again. I actually stopped listening to music for a year and a half because when I listened to music, it made me cry. I could not listen to music without crying. And, um, and today I can, I do a little bit. I still get teared up. It's not like a flick and a switch, but, um, but there was a freedom that came with that, um, with that ability to put the pain somewhere, shift it into something that will enrich my life and depend on that, depend on that enrichment for freedom, freedom to be able to be joyful, to not feel like, well, I can't be happy because he's gone. I can't be happy anymore. Um, because that's what I want to do. When that, when somebody passes, that's what I want to do. I want to just be sad. And, um, and I have the freedom to not be sad. I have a freedom to choose to be happy. And today it takes a lot of hard work but I choose to be happy. I choose to be happy every day. You know, they have those cheesy signs everywhere that say, choose happy. I got one. And it's right above my office, um, my desk that says choose happy because um, I really believe that every day I have a choice 
whether I'm going to have a good day or a bad day. And I'll tell you what, I had a really shitty day today. I felt like shit all day long. And I'm still happy. I'm happy because my boyfriend stood by my side the whole entire day and he did everything I could. I could just hear the love in his voice when he was trying to help me, when he was giving me advice on how to start, how to use my, um, my, the voice feature. I don't want to say the name because my phone will talk to me, but the name of my Apple product (laughs) and how to use it to have my phone do things for me without having to look at my device. So, um, just everything. He drove me everything, everywhere. And, um, and so that's something to be happy about. I've got so many friends and family helping me out just to do this podcast because they, I think they simply know that I need to get the pain out of me and I need to talk about it. And, um, and so everybody's just come together and is willing to help me. And, um, and that makes me happy. And, and that's what I choose to be today. And so, um, another thing that, uh, that I learned in both, well, I learned it in the program, but then interestingly enough, there was a lady who texted me in the stroke forum that I had posted on that uh, recommended or suggested that or shared her experience with her husband who had a stroke that it's important to remember that we're allowed to get sad. We're allowed to be sad. Like choosing to be happy doesn't mean that I'm never sad. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, you can't be sad today. Um, if I'm, if I want to be sad, I'm freaking sad, but it's, it's choosing to do that. It's, um, when I was drinking, I was just plain old depressed. I did. I, I wasn't choosing to be sad. Um, I would just was, I just really existed. That's what I was doing. I was just existing. And, um, and so in the program, we, we say that if we hear somebody say, oh, I have to go to work or I have to go to the doctor or I have to, I have to make my amends to, um, to this person, um, we correct them and say, you don't have to do it. You get to do it. And, and so the person in the stroke forum reminded me of that, that she learned that from her, her husband's therapist. So it's nice to know that there are people outside of just the, um, alcoholic community that know this concept of, of being able to, um, to remind ourselves that we get to do things. And, and that helps me to choose to be happy each day. And, um, and so some of the things that, that are important for me as I, as I try to navigate through my experience and seeking the freedom 
from freedom through dependence on my higher power um, is, is tolerance and practice. It takes so much practice to get up every day and remind myself that I'm an alcoholic and today to remind myself that I had a stroke. I had a life-threatening um, traumatic brain injury. I have to say that to myself. You had a traumatic brain injury um, because if I don't, then I do what I was just doing over the past two years, which is like, oh, I'll just put up with it. You know, I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm fine. I didn't die. You know, I'm fine. <laughs> and, um, and I really have to practice these things like practice doing the next right thing. The next right thing for me is to go to bed at a decent time so I can get eight hours of sleep. The next right thing for me is to wake up in the morning and go to my AA meeting. Um, the next right thing for me is to make my neurologist appointment, make my doctor's appointment, um, go see the vision therapist. So um, I am going on short-term disability and my doctor uh, encouraged me to consider that taking care of myself right now, scheduling doctor's appointments and, and this rehabilitation and everything, that's my job now. And, um, and my payment is, is to feel good. That's, that's what I'm getting paid with is, is to feel good from it. So, um, I'm trying really hard. I'm new at this. It's only been four days that I've really made this decision. So, um, I can't say that I'm 100% confident that, that I'm just like, yay, I'm, I don't have to work anymore for three months. And, I'm not feeling that way. I'm feeling like I, I'm kicking and screaming. That's what I feel like right now. But I'll get there uh, if I continue to talk about it through this podcast and um, and keep practicing the next right thing. I'll get there. And um, and I mentioned tolerance, and that is really for me the the daily, almost hourly frustrations and discomfort that I'm dealing with. That's my tolerance. I bet you thought I was going to say tolerant of other people. I don't know if you thought I was going to say that, but it's really tolerant of myself. And so, um, so I'm practicing that as well. And, uh, and more than anything, um, I'm practicing a lot of humility and, um, and, and taking suggestions. One of the things that I learned in the program, a big thing that I learned in the program was, uh, that, that I needed to, to take suggestions from other people who have walked the, walked the path before me. And, um, the first time I went to rehab, I did not take everyone's suggestions. I went to rehab and then I decided 
I was just going to do a few of the things that were suggested to me. I was going to pick and choose. And um, I had what I call a wanter. This is my wanter. I, I, my wanter was still on. So I just did the things I wanted to do. And the second time I went to rehab, eight months later, um, I turned my wanter off. And my wanter has been off ever since. There are still things I want, like ice cream every night. But I turned my wanter off and instead I do the next right thing, which means like right now it's 9-11 at night and the next right thing is for me to end this podcast and go to sleep. So I get my eight hours of sleep so my head feels better tomorrow, hopefully. So, um, So I'm taking suggestions, taking suggestions, listening, opening up my heart and my willingness so that I can heal. And that's how I healed from, um, I continue to heal. I'm never going to be a cured alcoholic, but every day I continue to recover from alcoholism. And this is how I plan to continue to cover, recover from, um, my stroke. So with that, I'm going to end it. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow.